Hello and welcome back to another episode of the IA Talks AI and today I'm very happy to be joined by our guest Robin Bailenga who's the Information Security Awareness, Education and Communications Lead at DWS. Robin, great to have you here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Pleasure. Um, your job title is not one that you come across every day. Could you tell us a bit more about it and what it involves at DWS? Sure. I um, came into information security in a, a bit of a different pathway. Uh, my focus in education, academia, was on human factors and internal threat management. So what does that mean? Human factors in some respects deals with ergonomics, different things that um, are not really in the realm of what we discussed when we talk about human factors in cybersecurity. What we're really looking at is the entire system, everything that's going on with the human, their behavior, psychology of the human, you know, what systems we work in, what systems we work on, uh, the organizational factors, etc. So it's, it's, it's a rather broad, several different elements involved in, in becoming sort of an expert in the field, if you will, in human factors. But yes, you, you, were talking about, you were talking about my title being a little bit different. So my title integrates the training, uh, education, content, and uh, understanding of, really I, I like to think of it more as a kind of a visa role because it's my job to take all of the information and to make it understandable to everybody that's not in the security team. And sometimes that's not easy after you've been doing it a while because you forget what, how you know, simple sometimes you need to make the information because it's not everybody's job. It um, is fascinating, I think, to look at it from a human factors standpoint, which is uh, actually my, my MSc is in information security, I focused on human factors and internal threat management. And within that, was able to find very interesting work and in other places that have led me here where I get to use a little bit of that academic work and apply it to organizational human factor issues. I mean, we all know that we have a lot of technology out of there out there available to us and we spend millions on it a year but if we don't deal with the human element then we still have a lot of breaches. No it's certainly a very important point and um, one that I hear a lot when I go to cyber security conferences and the like they're always talking about those types of things um, but we're, we're here uh, to talk about AI of course so can I ask you what's your interest in AI and um, what particular angles are most interesting to you at the moment? So with what I do I'm always aware of new vulnerabilities, new things that might be affecting employees, new tools, different things like that. I mean I've got tools that I love to use that I cannot use that are not, uh, of course, uh, approved by the company, and we know that that's called shadow IT. What interests me so much about AI 
and you and I spoke about this earlier, it's the absolute flood of popularity, if you can say flood of popularity, with Gen AI in regard to ChatGPT. I mean, it went to so many users so quickly and was adopted by so many people, and we don't understand it fully. And I, I was listening to a presentation from a friend of mine the other day, and, and everybody in the room raised their hands when he said, who has used ChatGPT? And there have been a lot of conversations globally around, should we just ban this? Should we adapt it? Should some companies it? have, of course, already. Yes, but, yeah. yes. And, um, and some people are taking a wait-and-see approach, and I, I, think that, I think that they're both extreme. Um, we, knowledge is power, so understanding the technology. And when we're talking about AI, what we're talking about right now is generative AI. So it's a type of artificial intelligence that can create and modify digital content. And it can be used for in finance to simplify, speed up the process of finding, customizing, generating the digital content. It can also help extract insights, generate summaries, create steps from the data. Um, it can really enhance the decision-making process. It can make us more productive. I've played around with it, and it's fun. But it doesn't come without risks, and every one of us needs to clearly understand what those risks are. And moreover, um, what our regulatory agencies are going to place upon us mm -hmm. of because of those risks. So the interaction of um, generative AI and, and the human factors, uh, it'd be great to hear a bit more about that because um, you know, it sounds like part of your role is trying to build a culture of, um, of cybersecurity um, on the one hand. Um, when it comes to a culture of um, AI use, but, but in a very risk-conscious way, what do you think are some of the key points that firms should be thinking about to try and achieve that? So, as a human factor practitioner in cyber, the attraction on studying Gen AI for me is that people are using the tools. Sometimes we don't even know that we're using the tools. They're there. And as company leaders, they're are potential legalities where the stakeholders can be held accountable for Gen AI that they may or may not know exists. Now, these are legal issues which is outside of my area of expertise, but I've done a lot of research on this, and that in and of itself concerns me somewhat. So going back to human factors and human behavior, we, we will use this, these tools and these technologies because they make us more productive. If I can get 10 things done instead of belaboring over one because I got a little help from the analysis or what have you, we're going we're gonna to do that. So the inherent risks, if, if, if just within the technology itself, is that how you 
technology is not smart. It does what you tell it to do. So you know you need to understand what you're prompting it to do. So we've got inherent technology risks of the AI. Then you've got the security risks from AI being used to attack us. So there are two kind of different mm-hmm. vectors there. At Robin, um, we've been very pleased that you've recently joined the IA's Cyber Resilience Committee. And the committee has, of course, been you know taking a very serious look at AI um, and uh, all of the, uh, the potential risks and implications when it comes to cyber resilience, information security. From your perspective, what are the main ones that you're really concerned about at the moment? So, if we look at if we look at third party, um, that's a lot of the conversations. Um, it's Gen AI is being used in so many different platforms, so many places, and you've got to understand who is using it, how, and and talk to your suppliers about that. Um, so the risk is not focused on, on one particular um, platform. So um, you know, Google's going to use it, Azure's going to use it, um, of course 365, we've got ChatGPT. So you've got to understand um, how they're, you what purpose, purposes they're used for, why do we need it, and um, so the overall risk is kind of introduced because it's, it's we can put in a plan for future suppliers, right? But what about the suppliers that we currently have? What are their requirements? What are they telling us that that we have available to us? Or have they just turned on a function? Because that is also happening. Um, I've seen advertisements for products that uh, I used to use in my former business, and and they love saying that we use Gen AI, but as a security professional, we need to understand. So these large language models like ChatGPT, one of the issues is that they go out to the web and they scrape data. So we don't know what data they're scraping. There is a pretty well-known conversation about, or story rather, about an attorney that tried a case using ChatGPT and the cases were false. So once you put it out there, it goes on the web and it can get scraped. So you've got what we call in the industry hallucinations that are possible Mm -hmm. using Gen AI. And that basically is another word for wrong information. So now those case studies are out there. The attorney... Still practicing? (laughs) Had a bad day when the judge found out that the cases were not legitimate. Mm -hmm. But now you've got those cases and incorrect information. So you've got... it. It's not always correct, and that's the problem. So, you know, you, there are inherent biases on whoever is training that learning language model that we have to be very careful of. Um, there are, we see this with facial recognition technologies. There are people of color that are terribly misidentified. There's a whole section related to that because of 
linear biases that were used when the technology was created. So that's not much different than what we're seeing here, and um, that's why you've got to be super, super careful which elements of your organization that use this powerful technology. So if we could move on to a slightly different topic, um, AI regulation. So this is, of course, an area um, that's uh, rapidly developing in the UK, in the EU, uh, wider field as well. Um, and it's very interesting to read uh, a speech uh, just recently from the FCA, um, where they indicated that we should be expecting the feedback statement in October 2023 uh, to the earlier joint discussion paper on AI regulation for the financial services sector. Um, so very fast moving field indeed. Um, it'd be great to get your thoughts on how you see regulation taking shape um, and what you expect to see in the future. So when I began looking into the regulatory agencies, I thought just maybe I was losing my skills at research because I couldn't find the information and because it, in some cases it just wasn't there. And uh, in the last just few months, few weeks even, like you said, days, the, the, the terrain shifts, the information changes. So what was true two weeks ago may or may not be true today. I started with the EU AI Act because there are a lot of countries uh, that are sort of waiting to see if it's, it's a proposal for a comprehensive legislative framework. It's expected to finalize. So they say 2023, it will probably be 2024. It will have what they call an extra territorial impact on providers and users in non-EU jurisdiction. And that's one of the reasons why it has been compared to the general data protection regulation because of that extraterritorial provision. And also, if you look at the, the fines, I mean, they're, they're proposing up to 30 million or 6% of global turnover, which is, which is pretty serious. So we've got, um, the, the EUAI Act is, is, they've got their own definition. So when you're looking at your organization and, and how, what AI means to you, you've got to define what it means to you. And that sounds a little ubiquitous, but you do need to, to figure out what systems that are uh, important to your regulator and your use cases. So if you look at the EU AI Act, a lot of countries are waiting for them to, to finalize this. There are other countries that are working very, very hard internally to with all of their different organizations here in the UK, the FCA is working with the PRA and they're putting out what we call, and I, I, we, the, we have another thing called the hard law, which is the regulations, and soft law, which are really more the uh, guidelines, the best practices, those kind of things. So what we're going to be seeing more quickly are the soft laws coming into effect. Um, the, there is no major hard law, if you will, at this point, but it's coming. Well, Robin, thank you so much. Um, it's been absolutely fascinating to pick your brains um, on this topic. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to come and speak with us. 
and uh, thank you everyone else uh, for listening uh, do please keep staying tuned we'll have more episodes coming along uh, in the near future thank you <laughs>